everyone. Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio, featuring the crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 all-star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now here's John and Tex. Hey, Power Athlete Nation. This is John, and I'm with Mr. McQuilkin, a.k.a. Tex, and we are doing another live one with the crew. Do we call these crews, or are these more Q&As? These are crews. Well, today is a crew. We don't have Qs. Do we don't more, have Qs. Is a crew? We got a couple As. <laughs> Putting Ds and As. Uh, is a crew, can a crew be two? Or yeah. is that a duo? Can a duo be a crew? Oh, my God. Could we be the dynamic duo? The power athlete do? Oh. Oh. The power athlete crew. Well, I mean, we do have a crew of individuals, but fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, it's you and me, dude. We're sitting here. So I'm joined with my co-host, Mr. Tex, a.k.a. Mr. McQuilkin, a.k.a. Chris, a.k.a. I got a lot of nicknames. <laughs> the other half of the dynamic duo. But we don't have time to go into all of those because we need a recap from mm. a long weekend. Man, I'm feeling a little sapped. We made the terrible idea of jumping in the truck and hammering from Austin, Texas to Columbia, South Carolina, and Lexington, which would be Sornex HQ. That's right. We're fresh off the the truck, and oh. oh my God, two days there, two days party hardy, two days back, and now we're here. Yeah, we did get a cool chance on the way home, though, to stop and hang out with the guys from Florida State. Uh-huh. Uh, got to meet their coaching staff and go through all their weight room and see all their facilities and that. And that was a nice little break on that drive. Yeah, Bobby Bowden Field. We saw some championship trophies, some yeah. Heisman trophies. We saw some Heismans, a couple uh, national championship uh, crystal Three. yeah, uh, crystal footballs, which is pretty cool to see. Mm-hmm. And got uh, got a vision of Coach Storms' is, is future weight room that's going up there shortly, which will be... All Sornex. Mm. Well, as I've said before, if you're a professional or collegiate facility and you're uh, uh, expecting to attract the best recruits in the world, you got to have a Sornex weight room. I mean, the bells and the whistles, just the aesthetic appearance when you walk in, it's like something out of like the Lego movie that they built with erector sets. It's a you know huge one-inch bolts and big pieces and things that move. And uh, I don't think there's anybody in the world doing it better than Sornex when it comes to equipment. The reason we have all Sornex up in our gym. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a beautiful representation of the teams and the schools investing in their athletes to put the coaches in the best position to really hammer them and, and well, unlock athletic potential. Well, it kind of reminds me a little bit, if you go back into history, if you think about um, like the Palace of Versailles. So... <sighs> Okay. Um, Enlighten me. <laughs> I got no idea. So the uh, you know the kings of France they built power the you know the palace of Versailles this like ultimate showpiece to bring like the courtiers there and put this whole deal on. And uh, at the end of the day, it had nothing to do with you know infrastructure or making France great. It was just a huge showpiece because at the end of the day, a forty-five pound is still a forty-five pound plate. Two hundred pounds is still two hundred pounds. To overquote my buddy. Henry Rollins, who's been eviscerated in every CrossFit gym with that amazing quote. But uh, when they bring in these 18-year-old kids, 17-year-old kids who are expecting to go and play, they have to build these, you know, really palaces. These are like the Palace of Versailles, these amazing facilities for these kids. Because once you're there, 
uh, you know, they want to invest in their players, but, you know, their school, you know, the football doesn't change. I mean, you know, like you can get strong in any situation. I mean, there's, you know, uh, you know, tens of listeners right now, <laughs> tens of our listeners right now that are training and bitching little garage gyms with uh, equipment they bought on Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace and things they've made that are really fucking strong and, you know, really capable. But, uh, those, you know, big palaces and, and dude, I'm so stoked to see that Sornex is really meeting the demand and like the stuff they come up with, but really these are about show places for recruiting and proving to, you know, uh, the staff and the players and the culture and all this stuff that, you know, they're major contenders. It's hard to be a national championship team with, you know, equipment and, and a facility that was built 25 years ago when the schools, um, that are really at the top are investing every couple years in like the most amazing looking weight rooms you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd like to see it too. And then Josh is, he's got five full-time staffers. So respecting that is he's investing in giving the guys, not only the equipment, but then the, the coaching staff paired with it. And those dudes are big and they're flipping strong. The yeah. deadlift champion, grip champion at the Soren X Summer Strong event. So shout out to those dudes. Yeah, they're strong cats. Um, I didn't get a chance to get their background, but I'm guessing they're ex-football players. Yeah. 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 They're all towering over me. Yeah, they were all big dudes. All had big hands. Yeah. Oh, I, I felt I mean, tempted to drop the Tony Robbins, hey, easy banana hands. Uh, I would say that the one, uh, when I got to shake those guys' hands, um, big man hands, Nothing comparing to the biggest hands I've ever encountered, Bobby Williams. Who's Bobby Williams? Bobby, Bobby Williams was one of our draft picks at Philly. Went on and played for you know a decade plus uh, for you know not only the Eagles but the Cincinnati Bengals. Bobby's hands were so big that the biggest gloves they had, he still couldn't get them on all the way and couldn't uh, velcro them up. I mean, Bobby's hands were like uh, like they came back and they were like you know I was like hey how the uh, how the young guy or how did the uh, combine look and they were like man this dude had the biggest hands you've ever seen and like literally bobby's hands we joked he could like shake your hand from across the room dang he's big hands so uh that's kind of my barometer if somebody ever had bigger hands than bobby williams which i don't think uh bobby was from arkan or bobby was from Te- is he's from texas went to arkansas he was a q at arkansas and was my ro- uh, was my roommate on the road for years and uh still to this day one of my favorite people okay found him bobby i.e not the Bobby. traditional why. Bobby. Yeah, guard, Jefferson, Texas. Yep. Uh, Arkansas, second round pick in 2000. Yep, he's a year after me. Dang, 12-year uh, career. Yeah. Finished up Baltimore Super Bowl champion. Yeah. 2012. Yeah, he's a beast. Sweet. Well, that two-day drive, I, pr- I mean, we got a few funny stories. That two-day drive probably brought the funniest one-liner you've ever dropped is we're driving through... <laughs> New Orleans, <laughs> and we pull up, and you just point at this corner. You're like, hey, let me see something. And we went off our route, and you're just driving around, and you're like, let me tell you a story about that Popeyes oh, yeah. and that Popeyes. So not just Popeyes fried chicken stores in general. That particular one, you had lived there during your combine training, yeah. and I don't know. That was just the most random pulled out of thin air line. That I've ever heard. So when I was there in New Orleans, that place was actually burned to the ground. So we were living in Kenner, Mittery area, and there was this Popeye's that was all like, you know, boarded up, burned down. And when I asked some of the guys, I'm like, hey, what's up with that place? They were like, oh, they got a new manager. And they ran out of chicken on Mother's Day. 
And the one thing you don't do in New Orleans is run out of chicken on Mother's Day. So I guess the guy under-ordered by noon or 1 o'clock. They were out and they put up a sign that said, you know, out of chicken. They just closed. And that ain't happening. That didn't end well. And they burned that place to the ground. Yeah. Funny. Just a funny moment <laughs> after long day, like long hours of driving to pull that Dude, out. I Everything's hilarious. I hadn't been there in 20 plus years. And I got in the car and we were like driving around. I'm like, I used to live right around here. And literally found it. And uh, that was good. I sometimes worry about things like that, thinking like, man, that was pre-NFL. My memory was really good. Uh, so I'm wondering if there was like a block of time that just got disappeared from playing in the NFL. Who knows? We'll never know. We will never Nobody know. will never know. What we do know is how much fun and exciting time once we did arrive in South Carolina, the weekend unfolded. Yeah, no. Um, historically, Sornex has always had a three-day event. They condensed it into two um, with more people, and it felt like more. So they took their normal three-day, added to it, and then condensed it into two. It definitely was a ton. I mean, there weren't as many speakers, but I felt that the people they brought in were, were heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. As always. Oh, yeah. And uh, awesome lifting competitions as well sprinkled in there. Like I mentioned, the grip challenge and then the deadlift and squat. Uh, day one, bench press. So uh, Gillespie got underneath 1,000 pounds, like 1,005, something like that, Charles. Yeah, we got we captured that on film. So walking into the bench press comp, and then that just sets yep. up the whole weekend. So they let off with lifting and close the door on lifting in between some empowering people. Yeah, uh, Bill Gillespie, who works for Sornex, uh, was the strength coach at Liberty for a number of years, a uh, power lifter, just decided to go and be a dedicated bencher. And at 61, set the world record on the uh, shirt-assisted bench with like 1,060 or some god-awful number. Mm-hmm. And like, like I was thinking about the pressure. So he's obviously wearing like a a shirt. I mean, but that the pressure of that shirt, like pulling across and him loading it and bringing it up, uh, like there's a reason his eyes look like little slits. <laughs> like that pressure on his body. Like I'm surprised his body just didn't like flatten like like the chalk bucket. Like, it's amazing anybody could handle that much pressure. Yeah, pretty unreal. Yeah. Uh, Speak. I mean, half half the time is so much just catching up, meeting new people, and sharing, swapping stories, like finding Woodski in the crowd, and then Woodski introduces you to somebody else, and then they introduce you to somebody else, and so much of that time. I mean, how much how much fun did you have? Just because I didn't see you for two straight days. <laughs> well, the problem is you were talking to all the important people. You know, I just talked to all the little people. Get a, get a chance to just, you know, mix and mingle, rub elbows with, uh, you know, a ton of people. I mean, it's great to run into people that are actually using power athlete training programs. Oh, they're, and they're so I, I, you know, we met people that were on hammer on Jack street, people that had done bedrock field strong and people were, you know, more than, uh, you know, excited to come over and talk to me about it and not only ask questions and modifications, you know, like, Hey, my deadlift's struggling on bedrock. You know, what do you think? And, uh, you know, asking them about sets and reps and, you know, when people are talking about specific parts of the program to really get into the nuance of those guys is super cool. Mm-hmm. Any power athlete radio listeners that came up to you? Uh, a ton. Um, I was standing, this happens to me more than you can imagine, but usually only at Sornex. So as I'm standing there talking with people, I'll have people walk by and then stop and then turn and point and be like, power athlete radio, you're John Wellborn. And I'm like, uh, I'm sorry. And their hilarious thing is your voice sounds the same in person as it does on the podcast. And I'm like, imagine that. Yeah, especially the intros. Yeah, especially the intros, which are by far the best. Yeah, I concur. Uh, 
what was I had a few Pyrethi radio. Josh, Josh, uh, Suture and I took a lap, so we were going out to uh, to the car. Like he's parked at the far end of the parking lot, and some rando dude pulls up, asks if we need a ride, and we're like, no. He's like, Pyrethi radio. Yeah. And then came up to me the next day. He's like, sorry, I tried to kidnap you. I just wanted to say, <laughs> I'm a fan. No, uh, it's I'm I'm always amazed at the influence. You know, you think about uh you know, putting out this into the airwaves and putting it out in the universe and then people finding it, being attracted and being inspired. So um, it's definitely been by far the most interesting and surprising piece of Power Athlete has Mm -hmm. been this podcast. Just because when we started it, I I was not a a fan of podcasts. I had never listened to a podcast and didn't necessarily understand the trajectory of podcasting. And uh, I remember sitting down with Callie and her trying to explain it. I'm like, so people are just going to listen? And she said, yeah, if the content is good, we have to get good speakers and we have to get good guests and we have to put this together. And we were really awful for those first couple hundred. Um, I mean, it's only been, couple. Within, <laughs> it's only been within, you know, the most recent times that now we have bitch and video and the audio's better and we are getting hint, hint, I'm letting you in on a little insider secret. We are getting ready to do a full podcast room revision. We are going to tear this thing down to the studs, redo it, and we're going to give you a brand new vision going forward with Power Athlete Radio and what you see here. So it's going to be pretty epic. We've been, uh, this thing's been in works for a couple weeks. Uh, we went and had a, a real professional designer do us a mock and put it together and uh, it'll be some pretty epic execution if I can knock it out. Yeah, it will be. I'm looking forward to it. We got two weeks after this to uh to lock it in yeah so we purposely front loaded a lot of stuff so i give myself a little bit of buffer instead of our normal like hey we got a podcast in two days and then i'm up for 48 hours trying to figure this thing out speaking of quality guests anyone jump out in summer strong i know you got called out a couple times by speakers (sighs) which happens every year every year i get called out by speakers um kaz called me out uh, two years ago i mean i seem to get called out often in this um, I'll tell you, um, Cal Carpenter, mm-hmm. um, the youngest and most recent congressional medal of honor winner got up and spoke on Friday night and not only gave one of the best speeches, but, uh, like his whole presence, his whole demeanor just took the air out of the whole place. Um, you know, gets in, uh, if any of you guys aren't familiar with him, take a few seconds, Google his name, read about the story. Um, you know, 21 year old Marine on a rooftop in, you know, some godforsaken country, you know, in the Middle East. And, uh, you know, they're, you know, hand-to-hand fighting. It's this, you know, war. And all of a sudden a grenade gets thrown up on the roof and without a second thought, he dives on the grenade to save his buddy mm-hmm. and uh, basically blows himself up. And, you know, uh, jaw gone, face messed up, missing his eye, arm shredded, and then goes through, you know, they were able to stabilize him, get him to a, uh, you know, a med vac, get him into a hospital, get him into Germany. And he goes through this like four year arduous process of like, you know, reconstructing. And, you know, when he was flying back to Germany, they called his mom and said, Hey, can you bring us any pictures? Mm-hmm. So we know what he looks like. So when we go reconstruct his face, we can do justice. I mean, when I heard that, I was like, Oh my God. And, um, just the, the thing that really, um, just knocked me off my feet. Just really just, uh, you know, as a dad, just seeing this, like, you know, this 21 year old kid put into this situation and thinking like, man, like young men go and fight wars, you know, this like a pretty innocent, pretty nice kid who, you know, not married, no girlfriend. It's basically him and his mom and he goes off to war and this happens and just his, uh, his optimism and like lack of bitterness and 
you know, positivity. And when you meet him, he like, you know, he's obviously has a fake eye. He looks you in the eye and like takes this just, you know, like arm that they, you know, they reconstruct because you can see the skin grafts and shakes your hand. And, uh, uh, it's just an inspiring story and just the testament to like the will of humanity and the will of a, of a very young individual. And, um, but yeah, it was just, uh, dude, it, like that really hit me home thinking like, this 21 year old kid serving his country and this happens and you know, like what his next four years looks like. And, um, you know, I mean, just going through and reading his story and then going back and reading all of the stories of all the congressional medal of honor winners. And like, I, I think that, you know, the fraternity, I know they, uh, they refer to it as such, but just reading these harrowing experiences, it's pretty amazing, you know? And I, I, you know, and we've discussed it on the podcast and I've, I've put this out there. Um, I'm never convinced that there's, I mean, I, I believe there are great men, but I believe that greatness is bestowed upon average men just put in, in, uh, these just harrowing experiences and, you know, put in circumstances where they either die or they don't, you know? And it's like, uh, if you talk about like our presidents, for example, like Abraham Lincoln, you know, uh, you know, was he just this amazing person that was happened to be there at this moment? Or was he just an ordinary man trying to do what he thought was best in that moment? And I kind of believe in the latter, you know, I mean, here's this, this, you know, young kid who's just doing his job. And, um, the other one that kind of broke my heart is when he said, uh, the Marines don't love us or the U S military doesn't love the Marines. So they slept on the ground for seven months and he hadn't showered in seven months. So when he woke up and he was in a bed and had been showered, he was like, Oh man, you know, this is something kind of new. Oh dang. So, um, he was super nice dude, man. Mm -hmm. I was, um, uh, honored to hear him speak and stoked that I, I, you know, got a chance to, you know, shake his hand and talk to him for a few moments. Yeah. And he introduced a, a, a term and I always appreciate this about speakers is when he is listening to other people present before him and he aims to pull their presentation or conversation into his, and that shows how, how invested he was in this opportunity. And the term that he pulled out was perspective. Yeah. And if, I mean, the circumstance in which he was, he had all these opportunities that he presented that gave him clarity and perspective where communicating to uh, nurses or his mom. So all these people helped him maintain this fight, this positive attitude throughout. And he was not willing to listen to the, like the, the, the negative voice in his shoulder willing to fight for, for healing. And that's, that was a, a powerful piece that he was in today because we all have that voice, yeah. but he was not willing to, to give in. Well, the, the story that, you know, as a parent, like was uh, pretty much knocked us off our feet was, you know, he was a couple years in on this and he was at home and, you know, they've been going to rehab and doing all this deal, trying to get him back. And all of a sudden his mom goes to sleep and he's by himself for the first time. Mm -hmm. And it's been years since he's been by himself. Cause he's like, you're never alone as a Marine. And, you know, never alone in the hospital because there's doctors and this and the whole deal. And he finds himself in the kitchen by himself and he thinks, I want some cereal. And then he goes in and he's like trying to get the milk out, trying to pour. And he realizes that he can't use his hands and he's not strong enough. And he like just breaks down and has that moment. And his mom hears him crying. She runs out and hugs him. And his statement was, uh, you know, who's ever going to love me looking like this? Who's ever going to love me? Like I can't do anything. And like, oh man, like you could have taken, I mean, nobody took a breath for a few minutes, like uh, hearing that as a parent and realizing like, you know, like 
Yeah, it's uh, it's just heartbreaking to think. I think um, all too often, especially with the military and these guys, you know, you kind of imagine these, you know, uh, these soldiers going over and doing, you know, this task, and you know, and then you have to remember that you know they're twenty-one-year-old kids who, you know, just want to go out and have a beer with their friends and you know live a normal life, and then something like this happens, and he gets thrown into this, uh, you know, this terrible situation, and he does the one thing which he thinks is right, which is to save his buddy and sacrifice himself, which pretty much for me is like, I mean, if that's all we knew about him, he's, he gets a congressional medal of honor, which in this country is the highest honor you can receive. But, uh, having read his story in Dakota Meyer and all these other guys who who are, um, congressional medal of honor winners, uh, take a moment, do a Google search and go back and read some of the Vietnam stories are absolutely amazing. Like if you saw them in a movie, you'd be like, there's no fucking way. This is total bullshit. Like the stories are, are like Hollywood couldn't write stuff better than this. I mean, that kid's story, Hollywood couldn't write something. And that should be a Hollywood movie because it would be inspiring uh, instead of, you know, glorifying and give people perspective on what we're doing. Yeah. And his book is <coughs> titled, You Are Worth It. Yeah. And he, yeah, didn't do, well, I'll sell it for him. He didn't talk about the book. He just talked about his experience, life, and perspective. Uh, but, yeah, wasn't in it to push the book, but that is well. That is the it. the um, the other cool thing is he didn't talk about uh, what led to him winning the Congressional Medal of Honor. Like he didn't talk about there I was and I heard the you know oh, he, you're, you're yeah right, he you're right. he he stopped or he started with uh, I was laying there and I thought I was in a hot tub of warm water and it was all over my body and like he's thinking like why am I all wet with warm water and then realizing that's all blood is where he started, which is after the impact. Mm -hmm. And then he took us on his journey from like that moment on a roof all the way to like, you know, where he is today. And um, I thought that was not only extremely classy, intelligent, and you know, just a, a really ballsy way to do it because I'm sure everywhere he goes, I mean, he, you know, those, what's pretty amazing about those guys is they get invited to be the keynote speaker and tell their story at, at everywhere. I mean any fortune 500 company that has a retreat or whatever they invite that guy to come and speak because it's inspiring and everybody wants to hear the story of like how did you win the congressional medal of honor and i'm sure he's to the point where he's like i don't want to fucking relive it because as he said later on i don't remember any of it mm -hmm. I, I i won the congressional medal of honor and i'm being you know harrowed for this thing that i just don't remember this is what i remember going forward and so uh i thought that was extremely classy because you can get online and you can read the account and uh you know that's what he's famous for but i think what he was trying to explain to us was, was the process from that moment going forward of trying to like reclaim who he was reclaim his life and find you know a place in this world and uh man that was if uh sornex had ended right then on that standing ovation just like it would have been a home run mm -hmm. yeah and the one of my favorite speakers, and uh, Donnie Mabe is a good friend of his, and Zach tried to hook us up earlier, but now we actually yeah. met him in person, but Jesse Ackerman, yeah. so former strength and conditioning coach for the Atlanta Falcons, and great, great speaker. The, the, model, the model was interesting for Summer Strong. They had a theme of strong roots, yeah. and they had a tag team presentations, a few of these, where uh, it was, so it was Ackerman and Gillespie, and they had worked together in the past, so they were 
just alternating these experiences that they were presenting and back and forth. And where Gillespie got specific to the bench press, I was more tuned up for Ackerman for the coaching. Yeah. And so he gave some background for his approach to NFL strength and conditioning in season, off season. Uh, but the big takeaway that I took is he was had to take initiative to remind all of the the Falcons athletes that he had that they are their strength first team. Getting, I'm sure they're they're calculating all the you know the the yardage run and all this science based stuff. But he had to remind these guys like we're gonna, we're gonna put some lead up your ass. So shaked his hands uh, when he would meet guys. He always shook their hand and said strong, yeah, strong, yeah, strong to remind them like big strong handshake. We're weightlifting. We are weightlifters. And then they had one hamstring injury and the lowest percentage of overall injury during his his time with the Falcons team. So just a a little coaching thing, nuance, but I'm sure without the team even knowing, went a long way to reminding them just posture up, be strong, fight, fight, fight. Um, I really like Woodsky's talk. Oh, yeah. Well, so and I got called out by Woodsky. <laughs> so when we had Woodsky on the podcast um, and every time I've heard Woodsky speak and it's been a number of years, it's very philosophical. It's very like this, um, you know, big concept, uh, big piece. And I think for him personally, like that's what, you know, where he's at in his life and, you know, his, uh, you know, his, you know, hot copy reflections. And when we were on the podcast, um, something that I hope for from every talk is that the, the speaker leaves me with things that I can action. And, excuse me, um, that's something, whenever I go into a talk, I think, okay, hey, listen to this information, whether it be a story. I mean, the, uh, you know, Kyle Carpenter talk, I mean, the idea of, um, you know, like, you know, like tomorrow's not promised, only today is, so don't waste it. Like, don't wait, you know, don't wake up tomorrow feeling that you, you know, have wasted a day, take every day. I mean, it's just fucking amazing. But I like Woodskies because he got up and he basically gave his Charles Palquin uh, talk. I mean, when he was lecturing for the Palquin um, Academy, or is it uh, um, Institution? Yeah, the Palquin Institution, maybe. So he was a world-class traveled speaker and they would go around and his big thing was uh, speaking on supplementation and uh, not even nutrition, but just supplementation for performance. So he gave up and in typical Woodsky fashion, just gave a really bitching talk on like pre and post-workout supplementation, what things that he's seen worked in terms of ramping up performance, uh, you know, on game day, uh, you know, what things you can do. And what was really cool was everything that we know just actually reminding me being like, Oh yeah, no, you do need to take glutamine, you know, uh, you know, and like where everything kind of fits and how you can use ca- uh, caffeine. And, um, man, I thought it was a home run. I, mm-hmm. I was really excited. Uh, but then what was funny was when I ran into people that were like disappointed that Woodski didn't give something like phil- philosophical on this. I mean, he talked about last year, ethos, pathos and logos and, you know, got into this and where he got in, you know, like, uh, two years ago, but, I really like the practical. I like the takeaway. Here is information. This is what we've used. This is what we've seen. This is what the research says. Uh, he he really went into detail on the benefits of creatine, which I've been expounding for years. But also, you know, not only is it neuroprotectant, but the ability to build lean muscle mass, and um, you know, something that every vertebrae on the planet should be taking. So I like that tap. Um, we got into zinc and some of the things that you can do to strengthen your immune system, especially in this COVID environment. 
So, I, dude, I thought that that was an excellent talk and uh, really just had a ton of takeaways. Now, for the opening talk at Sornex, I don't know if that would be like the opening talk. You almost need something a little more philosophical, a little more big picture. Well, they didn't know what he was going to give. Uh, yeah, and he rolls in and just gives his bitch in supplement talk. So I could see that, like, because I know Harry Shaw was like, man, that was so weird. Why did, you know, I'm like, dude, it was great. There were takeaways. Everything there, every everybody sitting there was either taking a picture of his, of his PowerPoint uh -huh. or writing it down as something to action. So he was able to influence an action. 500 people, when they left there, they felt hey, here's recommendations Woodski made. Here's some changes I might need to make for my supplement routine. And to me, if you can action that many people, your talk is a home run. And for our listeners who are interested in hearing why Woodski decided to change his talk style, episode 367 with Derek Woodski, Power Athlete Radio, Reason and Logic 101, where yeah. that was about three and a half hours and plenty of takeaways in that episode as well as philosophical uh there's you know whenever i go to summer strong there's always hope you know i always hope to have a great you know to not only see friends but be new ones but getting time to spend or getting the chance to spend time with woodski um you know i like to see matt vincent uh, he's always got a funny perspective and like we just always sit around and just laugh and, and talk a bunch of shit seeing our girl jen wiederstrom mm -hmm. uh, you know gunner uh cal Dietz. Um, you know, different people that fit within, you know, the Sornex family that we know. So uh, Rudy Reyes, of course, um, you know, I was disappointed. Rudy ghosted us, didn't see him on day two. But you know what? Rudy packs enough into one day that he probably doesn't need to oh, be yeah. there. He could probably be there for 10 minutes and we get All enough Rudy hugs and love on day one. Oh, my God. Uh, and, you know, I, I haven't seen him in this good of spirits. And he was looking pretty thick, too. He's looking, he was looking good. I, I have to admit, Rudy packed on a little bit of muscle. And uh, was just doing what Rudy does, which is be fucking awesome. Actually, I don't even know if awesome. He's more fabulous. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're right. Fabulous yeah. is a great description. And then our friend, Tony Blauer. Yeah. Uh, Tony a not had never been to Summer Strong. Um, you know, didn't really necessarily know what it was about. Asper to speak. And I guess they had had some conversations. And I thought Tony gave an amazing speech. I mean, Tony's been a you know a guest on Power Athlete Radio more than a few times, and got up there and has really done a great job of quantifying fear. Mm -hmm. So you know, like if you guys are from the CrossFit world, you remember Tony's you know spear deal where he was you know training people and you know a CrossFit striking and or was it no sorry CrossFit defense. And uh, he's really pivoted and gone deep into this idea of the psychology of fear, how to manage your fears, and I thought gave an incredible talk. Yeah, it was fun. I always appreciate and the, the side conversation, just get to, to talk and rap with him. And it, he was giving. He was giving so much to the attendees. I saw multiple times him explaining some of the spear tactics, like Bo Sandoval had a little mat set up for some rolling and jujitsu. And he was involving himself with the people interested in enrolling and fighting. So I saw multiple presentations. I just know the famous Tony display of the fingers. 90 and 90. Yeah. So no, it, it, it's uh, no 45 and 45, like the 45. Yeah. And then I just remember like over exaggerating yeah. the uh, display of the fingers and just giving back, man. That's what, that's what the people do. Yeah. No, I mean, Summer Strong has always been uh, not only a really amazing event, but it's grown. Uh, to see the different layers and people that they've brought in and the talks. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, for us having been for a number of years and being a sponsor and really being, you know, have, having Bird on the podcast and 
you know, knowing his dad and the family and just, you know, being involved with them. It's, uh, it's, it's incredible to see what they're able to pull off. You know, what a great event. And the other cool part was how many block one coaches showed up. So people, power athlete, you know, block one coaching network, uh, showing up deep, deep, deep. And so it was cool to see that much power athlete gear rolling around and uh, power athlete coaches doing what power athlete coaches, which is fucking, you know, ripping the heads off of things and kicking doors. in. Yeah. During the competition, got the opportunity to squat with a bunch of them. And uh, let's see, Leon squatted, man, so upwards of maybe 470. And then the, the big highlight, David MCK pulling 550 on the deadlift on the big platform. Dude, that was savage. Lining up, and Brandon Lilly was coordinating. He was quarterbacking the, the yep. deadlift because they got one, a single platform in there. And then he was like, all right, hands up for 500. And then a bunch of guys, maybe 15, put their yep. hands up for five. He's like, ah, fuck it, 550. We're going for PRs. <laughs> and Skip's a lot of those guys' goals, but David was able to be fearless and rip that extra 50 pounds more than he wanted. Dude. For a very photogenic yeah. opportunity. No, it was a home run. Uh, you know, and then uh, Mr. Soren at age 71 got up there and pulled a 365 in a set of 501, uh, 501 jeans, which <laughs> is kind of his trademark, just pulling heavy in jeans, which I just think is hysterical. But yeah, I had a set of knee wraps. And uh, the thing which was crazy is he grips the bar, he pulls it, and the bar like stops pretty much mid shin, and the whole room explodes, and he like starts screaming, and he pulls this thing. I mean, legs are shaking, the whole thing is shaking, and literally pulls it to lock out, and the whole room explodes. He drops it, takes a step, and like goes down, blacks out, and like made it over to the seat. They unwrapped him, and he was taking some big breaths. And then when I saw him after, I'm like, how'd that go? He's like, I don't remember locking it out. I was out. And like, just the testament, like, I hope when I'm 71, I can still death, uh, deadlift 365. And like, the excitement of seeing him do that. Because I mean, what, it was at Summer Strong, man, it had to be Summer Strong 11 or no, maybe it was Summer Strong 10. When I saw him deadlift, it was like, uh, like five, five something. Maybe it was like 515 or even maybe even a little bit more. So, I mean, he, he's pulled some serious weight every year. You know, now he's, you know, obviously getting, uh, getting up there in age, but didn't stop his commitment to it. But dude, when he, that bar got stuck and everybody started cheering, he like knew he couldn't come off of it and just fucking gripped it and pulled it. It was, it was, it was fucking awesome. Yeah. And he was all over the, the grip station, the grip competition, yep, that's just coaching deal. people up. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, just an amazing event. I mean, Burton, those guys do such a good event. I mean, their their crew that cooks and just mm. like the uh, you know they, they had a vendor tent, so we got a chance to see a pretty bitchin' piece of equipment, which will probably end up here pretty shortly. Which is a uh, uphill uh, incline treadmill, which is like big. It's welded. It's made of metal and something that a big dude could run on. And uh, I'm excited to see that sucker. Oh yeah, we're gonna get one in there. Get some education content out. You there. need to email them today. We need that thing ASAP. Tough, tough tread, Bo. Yeah. boy Bo. Uh, yeah, we were rapping as well. His kids are getting into lax, so. And then uh, we had a chance to connect with the guys from Avonco, uh, which was super cool because Avonco is made and has, always, and has always been foundry and made in uh, San Pedro, California, mm. right down the street from where I grew up in Palos Verdes. And little known fact, all of Zangus' stuff was Avonco. And Zangus and, you know, that guy's dad and this guy had been friends for years. I mean, Papadakis Taverna right there in San Pedro and uh, had been to George's house, delivered equipment and uh, was pretty cool to connect with him. Uh, Nate and I went over there and uh, Nate's head just fucking exploded. He's like, first of all, the fact that that guy knew everybody you knew 
and uh, it was pretty neat. So it was cool to see, um, you know, because Avanco equipment has always been, I mean, it was York and Avanco for just ever. I mean, you know, they, they were definitely like the biggest maker of plates and bars, we, and uh, we ended up picking up a pretty bitchin' uh, curl bar too. So I'm stoked on that. Oh, yeah. All around great experience. And the adventure to and fro. We did have a bitchin' adventure. We uh, we stopped in New Orleans on the drive <laughs> out there. Uh, having spent some time in New Orleans, fairly familiar with uh, down on the French Quarter. So we found a pretty bitchin' steakhouse. Uh-huh. Uh, it was nice. Doris, act- Doris's? Yeah, it was called Doris's. Man, um, it, was at a, it was at a hotel. Um, I can't think of the name, but it was Doris's something. And it was really cool to sit there and have a steak and, you know, drink an old fashioned and hang out, uh, in a, you know, in a situation where, you know, other people are hanging out and having a good time. So it was neat to like go back to a restaurant and see people and, you know, uh, have a feeling that like, you know, whatever's going on in this world with this pandemic, it's coming to a close, you know, and in Florida shit, I mean, uh, I was surprised. I mean, you know, people, uh, like I saw just a few people wearing masks and people were rolling around having a good time. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, it was cool, but yeah, we hit there, then we drove up to, uh, South Carolina. Then on the way back, we sunk through Tallahassee, which I'd never been to Tallahassee. And so it was a beautiful little town. It was a cool little town and then jumped in the car and shit, man, uh, cut about an hour and a half off our ride doing 90 the whole way. A truck flies. So I have a 2021 GMC AT4 3500 and dude, that thing just rolls out. Oh Yeah. And it was still getting like 17, 18 miles to the gallon, which absolutely blew my fucking mind. If I had been going 65, I probably could have got like 22, 23, but you know, we got places to go. Yeah. We got places to go and people to see and podcasts to record. That's right. Well, that is it. This is 499, John. Ooh. You know what's coming next. Well, and uh, just to give you guys a little bit of a, a push for next year, if you're on the fence about going to Summer Strong, do it. Uh, it's an incredible time to connect with uh, people that you've heard on this podcast and people and, and with the, you know, with us and the crew at Power Athlete. So if you're on the fence or you have the opportunity to go, don't miss it. Don't be sitting here next year as we do a recap thinking, man, I'd like to get there. Um, if anything, um, you know, Kyle Carpenter's talk. Uh, the one thing that, that just kept going through my mind was uh, Carpe Diem, you know, seize the day. You know, don't worry about tomorrow. Seize the day. And, uh, as I, as you know, if I could push one thing out on this, it's like seize the day, go be part of it, see the excitement and, um, you know, see the magic that is summer strong. Bye. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!